we're in a series of messages called No Perfect People Allowed. And uh, we've been talking about lots of things. We've been talking about getting real. We've been talking about being transparent. We've been talking about losing our need to pretend because in church, we are really good pretenders. We all pretend. We, come, we pretend naturally. We've pretend, been pretending since we were very young when we played with Barbies or when we played Star Wars or when whatever we did, what we did. And pretending is good and healthy at, at 5 and 7 and 10 years of age, but when you get comes to your spiritual life, if you're still pretending... God says he will vomit you right out of his mouth because he says he wants you to be the real thing. You're either hot or cold. That's okay with God, he says in his word. But if you're in the mushy middle of lukewarmness, he will spew you. The word is literally vomit you right out of his mouth. And so we said that God died for the real you, not the real you pretend to be, not the real that you try to show everyone else that you are. God died for the real you. And, and unless God gets the real you, you will not get the real God. You have got to come clean with God, and you've got to drop the pretenses, and you've got to drop the image, and you've got to drop trying to be more spiritual than you are, and you've got to give him the real you. And when you give him the real you, you get the real God. When you hold back and give, give or pretend in front of God, you get a pretend God. You get a counterfeit God. You do not get the real thing. And a lot of you wonder where there's a lot of victory in your Christian life. It is maybe you haven't just come clean with God. And that's what we've been talking about. And go back and listen to the series of messages and be able to get caught up on, that, uh, on uh, some of the things we've been talking about. We said last week there's never a point of completion in the Christian life. There's never a point that God holds you up and said, look perfect right here. That he can put a period on the work that he's done in Mark Atherton's life. Or put a period on the work that he's done in Mike Rojas's life. Or put a period on the work that he's done in Paula Blackaby's life. Or put a period on the work he's done in any of our lives, there's never that point in the Christian life. The Christian life is just one comma after another. And God stops, starts working on this area, and God kind of starts do, making some progress in that area, and he just moves to another area. And hopefully till the day we die, God is rubbing off the rough edges in our lives, and God is teaching us new things, and we're trusting more and leaning more and stepping into deeper waters of his grace till the very day we die. Also, no period means there's, there's nothing you can go through, no bad experience, no sin that you can commit. That's a period. That's done for you. You're over. It's done for you. As you continue to walk with God, no matter what comes into your life, no matter what mistake you make, no matter how poor choices you make, no matter what sin you make, as you continue to walk with God, it's one comma after another. And we say this a lot of different ways at Xenia Naz, and one of the, my favorite ways to be able to say it, and some preacher told me this a long time ago, I can't take credit for it, if you have a flat tire in your Christian life, you don't junk the car, you just fix the flat and you go on with it. But too many people sometimes get a flat tire and they think this Christian life is not for me and they go off somewhere where they just need to be able to fix the flat. It's just a comma, man. It's just a comma. Never a point. There's a period. Whether that's a period of perfection and completeness or a period in the exact opposite way that message is on the internet if you would like one two three thank you that message is on the internet you can take that and you can be able to send it to your grandchild send it to your uh uh son your daughter send it to your next door neighbor uh not because they need it, because really we're the one that needs it, right? But just to be able to help 
uh, help them along their walk and be able to introduce them to the God that is the God of us here at Xenia Nass. This morning, uh, we are going in our Bibles to 2 Corinthians. If you have your Bible with you, or if you have it on your phone, if you want a hardback, there's Bibles in close to almost all of the doors here. Don't be ashamed right now to get up and make a fool out of yourself and walk to one of those right there and get one of those. There's black Bibles and there are red Bibles. The red Bibles are for you old people that need larger print, okay? The black Bibles is on page 804, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. Chapter 4, 2 Corinthians, chapter 4. 2 Corinthians is after 1 Corinthians, right before Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. If you don't know where that is, there is a table of contents. Go to that and find it, okay? All right, 2 Corinthians, chapter 4, verse 5. 2 Corinthians, chapter 4, verse 5. For what we preach, the Apostle Paul writes... For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, for God, who said, let his light shine out of the darkness, he refers back to creation here. For God said, who said, let his light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. There are some of the deepest theological words that could ever be written right there. You could never exhaust the meaning of those. Read those again, verse 6. For God, who basically created the world and said, let there be light, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the person of Jesus Christ. What a marvelous, unbelievable statement he makes there, but now he starts in verse 7 with but. So this is going to be a contrast. This unbelievable statement that he makes, now he's go- he says, but we have this treasure. What treasure, Mark? This, this Jesus living inside of us, this light of the knowledge of God that's in the face of Jesus. This treasure, we have it in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We have this treasure of Jesus living inside of us in jars of clay, fragile clay pots. There was nothing more common in the ancient world than a clay pot. They used it for everything. They were cheap, they were expendable, they were easily broken, but they used them for everything. Clay is the most common of all things. It's dirt, and a clay pot is baked dirt. And Paul reverts back to creation when God took dirt and formed man out of the dust of the ground and says, we are nothing but jars of clay. We are ordinary clay pots. Some translations say it are earthen vessels. I've got a few other translations up here, Eric. What we have next? The New Living Translation says, we don't go around preaching ourselves. We preach Jesus Christ, the Lord. All we say about ourselves is that we are your servants because of what Jesus has done for us. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made us understand that this light is the brightness of the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. But this precious treasure, this light and power that now shines within us is held in perishable containers, is the way this translation. Perishable containers, that is, in our weak bodies. What's another translation we have? A different way to say the same, oh, and the reason for that is so everyone can see that our glorious power is from God and is not our own. What's the next translation? This is a paraphrase 
of God's Word. A paraphrase. Remember, our message is not about ourselves. We're proclaiming Jesus, the Master. All we are are His messengers, errand runners from Jesus for you. It started when God said, light up the darkness and our lives filled up with light as we saw and understood God in the face of Christ, all bright and beautiful. If you only look at us, you might well miss the brightness. We carry this precious message around in the unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. That's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. God says to embrace your imperfections. God says to embrace your weakness. God says to embrace your ordinariness. God says to embrace your commonness. Some translation refers to the clay pots as earthen vessels. The word earthen literally means clay with an emphasis on frailty or fragileness. God says, would you embrace your weakness? Would you embrace your limitations? Would you embrace your commonness? Would you embrace your ordinariness? Would you embrace your, your, your fragileness? Would you embrace your frailty? That way, would you embrace that? If you embrace that, then people know it's not about what you're doing. It's about what I am doing through you. At staff meeting this week, I went around all the, the staff that was there, and I asked them, I, I said, tell us where you're fragile. Tell us where you're frail. Tell us where you feel weak. And every single staff member went around and told us. We reminded each other that that's an area where God's strength can be made perfect in your life. That's not an area to run from. That's not an area to hide from. That's not an area to shy away from. That's not an area to say, oh, that's not my gift. That's an area for God's strength to be made perfect in your life. My limitations... Your limitations are an opportunity to show God's unlimited grace. My limitations, your limitations, are an opportunity for God to show His unlimited grace in our lives. Where are you frail? Where are you fragile? I I would never get booked on the Oprah Winfrey show talking about this. This is upside down from the world. Never teach this in elementary school, junior high school, or high school. Never teach this to our students. Students, embrace your weakness. Students, embrace your fragileness. Embrace your... Embrace areas where you're frail. Embrace your commonness. Embrace your ordinariness. Embrace your imperfections. But God says throughout His Word that it's where, when you're weak... That's when I can work in your life. I've been able to do what I'm doing right now since I was in the third grade. I won an award in the third grade for being the best actor in our third grade play. I've been able to stand up and talk in front of people since I was nine years old, or however old you are in the third grade. I wonder, does God use me as much here? This is an area of strength for me. This is an area of gifted. I'm naturally talented in this area. Does God use me nearly as much in my area of strength as he does in areas where I feel uncomfortable, in areas where I feel incapable, in areas where I feel weak, in areas where I feel um, fragile and I don't have confidence in. 
Thelma Graves was a 90-year-old person at Macville United Methodist Church, first church that Sue and I pastored. Had to drive past her house every day coming back from seminary. She was a shut-in, and she was shut in there with 13 cats. I've told you this story before, haven't I? Okay? She, that house smelled the high heaven. I'm telling you, it did. After I'd leave her house, I'd go home and get straight in the shower. I, I, I don't exaggerate a, a single bit. Well, I drove right past her house, and I didn't have too much excuse to forget to visit her. And I'd open that old rickety gate and go knock on that old screen door and open that and say, Miss Thelma! And it just reeks as soon as you go in there. And I go in there, and I, just, I know there's dead cats around here under the sofa somewhere. And you look at these cats, and they got disease coming from their eyes and ooze and pus coming from their eyes and stuff. And, and that's the way it was in her house. And I had to sit there with Miss Thelma, and I had to talk with her for a few minutes and pray with her. And I wonder, at that moment, was God's strength made perfect in my weakness? Not when I'm standing up here doing what I feel good at, what I feel capable at. It's doing what I didn't want to do. It's doing what I would try to avoid, but what needed to be done. All through God's Word. All through God's Word, he says, embrace your weakness. What's some scriptures we have up here, Eric? I think Isaiah is the first scripture that we have up there. He says, he gives strength to the strong. He gives strength to those of you who are strong, to those of you who are capable, to those of you who have it all together. He says he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. What areas are you fragile? What areas are you incompetent? What areas do you lack the little biblical understanding of weakness is a lacking where you lack. And if there are some of you in here that don't think you lack anywhere, get a clue. Live in the real world. We're clay pots. We're common. We're ordinary. But if we allow ourselves to be used by God, he can do some unbelievable things for us that are not ordinary. What else do we have up here, Eric? Come to me, come to me. But there's a condition on the people that can come to him. Jesus says, come to me. All, not just all, all who are weary. What's the condition on people that come to Jesus? You can't come to Jesus when you have it all together. No one thinks they need Jesus when you have it all together. No one thinks you need Jesus when your life is just going really great and you've got everything under control. Come to me, Jesus says, all of you, condition, who are weak and heavy laden, the old translation says, who are weary and heavy burdened, and then I will give you rest. Jesus, throughout the Gospels, talks about embracing your weakness. What else do we have? 1 Corinthians, Paul says, For God, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I came to you in weakness, Paul says. I came to you in weakness. I came to you in weakness. 1st Sunday, new pastor stands before the congregation and you've got a lot of confidence in him if he says, I come to you in weakness. Because that's not the way of the world. 
not the way of the world. And we bought into that in many cases. Paul says, I come to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. What else do we have? My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So that your faith might not rest on Paul, might not rest on man, might not rest on a charismatic preacher, may not rest on a smooth talker, may not rest on the presentation, may not rest on the cool lights, may not rest on the nice little banners you have up here, or the drums, or the guitars, but may rest on God's power. On God's power. How many times? You know what? When we're looking for a new worship pastor, as we are, and I met with a guy this week, I, I say one thing. I'm looking for a worship pastor. I'm not looking for a worship leader. I'm not looking for a prima donna who wants to come in and shred the guitar, but then not be involved in the church. We don't need anybody saying, ooh, how cool our worship leader is. We need a pastor who comes in fear and trembling and weakness and is just silly enough to think God is calling to pastor his people through worship. What do we have up here? James says, but he gives us more grace. And that is what Scripture said. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Next Scripture. Paul says, to keep me from conceited, keep me from being conceited, God gave him a whole bunch of revelation. There's nobody else in the, in the history of humanity that God has given more wisdom to than the Apostle Paul and probably will never, ever give any more wisdom to than Apostle Paul. And Paul said, God gave me these increasingly great revelations. And so to keep me from being conceited, there was given me a thorn in the flesh. What was that? I don't know what it was. Some people have speculated a lot of, a lot of things. People don't know what it is. In one, one of his letters, he says, you all love me so much, I know you would have taken out your eyes to give me. And some people speculate that he had some type of eye deformity or that he was blind in one eye or something like that. We don't know. But we know Paul says it wasn't good. It was a thorn in the flesh. It was a messenger from Satan and was there to torment me. And But God gave me that so I wouldn't get puffed up and I wouldn't think too much of myself because of the exceedingly great revelations that God has given me. So he prayed about that three times. Take it away from me. Verse 9. But God said, I'm not going to take it away from you because my grace will be sufficient for you because when you are weak, then you can be strong. And without this thorn in the flesh, without this messenger from Satan, without this um, thing that torments you, you can't be as weak. As you, can, as you need to be. And when you're weak, Paul, then my strength can be made perfect in your weakness. All through scriptures, and I've just taken a few of them, go to show you this principle of embracing our weakness. Jars of clay. We have this treasure. I've tried to figure out, what's a, a 2014 parallel to a jars of clay? I, I don't know what it is, but maybe the closest I can get to is a styrofoam cup. And that's not even a good one. It's common. It's every day. You toss it away when you're done with it. It's, it's easily ripped. It's easily torn. It easily becomes um, weak and leaks. And Embrace your weakness so that God's power can rest on you. Now, Eric, let's buzz through several slides here. Go through the next one and the next one and the next one. That one is what I want. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13, to be sure... Jesus was crucified in weakness, yet he lives in God's power. Likewise, we are weak in him, yet by God's power, we will live with him to serve you. 
What areas are you fragile? What areas are you painfully aware of your imperfections? What areas are you pretending to hold it all together and you know you can't? Got a text this week from someone who says we had a family discussion about being real. We had a family discussion about, about not saying we're fine if we're not fine and trying to be real and honest and genuine. What a great way to take this message and apply it to your family. Talked with a lady at a graduation party yesterday and she's in our church. I said, how you feeling? She goes, fine. I said, come on. I know you're not fine. I know some things that are going on in your life. Talk to me. And sometimes we hesitate to do that because we wonder if really people even really want to know and you don't unload all your dirty laundry on people. And I get all of that, but there's got to be some people who are honest and open. We've got to stop pretending because if we don't become real with God, we'll never get the real God. God died for the real us, not the real that we pretend to be. And the real us, according to Scripture, is common, it's ordinary, it's a clay pot, it's a jar of clay, it's fragile, and that's okay. Because God's strength can be made perfect, and God will get the glory for it, and so Mark won't get the God glory for it, and God will get the glory for it, so Mike won't get the glory for it, and God will get the glory for it, so Dreamer won't get the glory for it, and God will get the glory for it, so Aaron won't get the glory for it. Embrace your weakness. Embrace your weakness. I said a couple of weeks ago, what do you have to do to be able to go to Alcoholics Anonymous and get over alcohol or get over any drug? You've got to stand in front of people and you've got to admit your weakness. And I say, my name is Mark Atherton and I can't kick this stuff on my own. That's the first step to getting better. Pretty humbling thing to be able to stand in front of a group of people and say, my name is Mark Atherton, I'm an alcoholic. My name is Mark Atherton, I'm addicted to heroin. My name is Mark Atherton, I'm addicted to pornography. That's not cool, man. That's real. That's real. Had a person in this church this week take me out for supper and start talking to me about things in his life. I, if, I, if I named his name, you'd know it. Most of you that are connected to this church would know it. One of the pillars of this church, whatever a pillar of the church means. Pillar or pillow, I don't know. Whatever it is. And he says, Mark, I struggle with pornography. I was so encouraged. Not that he struggled with pornography, but that he had the honesty and a desire to get rid of it enough that he would confess it to his pastor. We're fragile. We're easily drawn to that stuff. Jesus said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. How many of you know that? Your spirit is willing. Yes, your spirit is willing. But your flesh is weak. Embrace your weakness. Embrace your imperfections. One reason to embrace your weakness is, man, just think. Think of the potential I have with me, in my flesh, in my ability, in my capabilities. Think of the potential that I have. And let's say this is the ceiling that I have with Mark doing some things. And let's be honest, Mark can do some things, Greg can do some things, Brian can do some things, we all can do some things. This is our potential of me doing stuff. As we embrace our 
commonness and rely on God to do things that we can't. Ooh, that ceiling raises what God can do through us. This is what Mark can do on his own. Mark can do some things on his own. He could probably get up and preach a pretty good sermon on his own and probably impress some of you all. But what can God do with Mark if he leans on God and embraces his frailty, embraces his fragileness, what his ceiling, his potential can go way up? Embracing my, my weakness makes me have peace with God because it's not about me and my strength. It's not about me and my uh, ability. It's about God and his grace. I can have peace with God because it's not how good I do. It, it's, it's, it's not that I, I've stopped drinking and cussing and chewing. It's not that I've done all that. It's, it's not about that. It's, it's about God's grace. I can have peace with God because if I look at my own ability, if I look at if what I've done, if I look at my own track record, if I, if I look at my own scorecard, it doesn't look very good, but it's not by my own scorecard that God judges me. It's by his grace. And I can have peace with God and embrace my weaknesses. I'm really trying to do this as a pastor. And really only since I came here have I tried to really embrace my weaknesses as a pastor. Before then, I was a church planner, and I tried to run around like a chicken my head cut off and do everything, from, from doing the bulletin to emptying the trash to setting up the chairs to, to running the snake for the sound, machine, sound guys and doing everything. And only when I came here have I decided that this is Mark. He's as common as he can be. There's a whole lot of things that go on in this church that I have no clue. Some of y'all come up and ask me questions that I have no clue about. Where are the offering envelopes? I have no clue where the offering envelopes are. I don't know. I don't want to know where the offering envelopes are. If I have to know where the offering envelopes, there'll be very little ministry going on in this church because I'm running around looking for the offering envelopes. I had, a, I had a sweet little, not her fault, it's not her fault, I had a sweet little lady come up to me in the first service, you know, Mark, we need Sunday school material. Who orders Sunday school material? I don't know who orders the Sunday school material. If I have to figure out how who orders the Sunday school material, I, I, I'm just, if everything has to clog around me it's going to get clogged up there i don't know a whole lot of things that go on and i don't want to know a whole lot of things that go on i can embrace my weakness i can embrace not having to know everything i didn't even know he's gonna sing that stupid song this morning man i mean Now I have to lead, but leading a church doesn't mean that I'm in charge of everything. In fact, if I'm in charge of everything, we won't get much done. And I've embraced that, and I'm okay. There are no perfect pots. No, yes, ma'am. No. At Taco Bell. <laughs> Got to be weak to go to Taco Bell, man, I tell you. Here, Paula, nobody can hear you because your voice is weak. Embrace your weakness here and use this microphone. <laughs> Is it on? You got to hold it up to your face for people to hear. Got to hold it up to your face for people to hear. 
no. Subway a couple weeks ago. Number five. There it is. You got to hold it up there. No, we can hear you. Thank you. That's good. Up to your mouth. Nobody can hear you, Paul. Good. Did you get her saved? Did you get her saved? If you start witnessing back? <laughs> She's backslidden as all get out. But I really didn't think he would come. I really didn't. We asked him to come to church. He said he was very lonely and needed friends. And I don't even know what to say. I don't, I don't even know what to say. You go on with it. Great. Great. What is your name? Javier. Welcome, Javier. Hope we didn't embarrass you. All right. Um, I don't know what areas you're weak and what areas you're fragile, but you weren't as weak as Jesus was when he was on the cross. The ultimate example of fragility, the ultimate example of frailty, the ultimate example of imperfection, the ultimate example of weakness is when he submitted himself to the cross. And the scripture said, Right here, he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by God's power. That ultimate symbol of weakness, God turned that upside down, and now it's, we sing songs like there's power in the blood. There's power in the death of Jesus. There's power in that weakness. Our servers are coming to the table to be able to prepare the elements, and as you come this morning, you're, you're, you're remembering this morning that um, this was an example of Jesus' weakness. This was an example of Jesus' weakness. And as you come this morning, can you embrace your own weakness? And I don't know what that is, and you all decide whatever areas you're frail and fragile. Embrace it, for it's an area for God really, really to work in your life. All of our candidates for baptism, would you go and change as we pray? Father God, we thank you for this truth, but it's a really weird truth. It's upside-down truth. It hits right against our pride and our stubbornness, and we don't like it. But we don't like it because we've been conformed too much to this world and the way the world thinks. Father, I pray as we receive the elements of communion this morning. I pray that you would make these a means of grace for us and we can embrace our weakness just as you embraced your weakness and use that one example of weakness that God has used it for the power to save the whole world. So Father, I pray that you'd help us, help us focus on this today and somehow get okay that we're imperfect. 
common, ordinary clay pots. In Jesus' name, amen. Our tables are open. Please receive if you choose.